Good morning, guys. Good to see you all this morning. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles and go to Psalm 23. You actually already sang this piece of Scripture this morning. Our last song was really taken right from Psalm 23. And uh, that's where we're going to be this morning. So Psalm 23, it's page 458, if you're using uh, one of the hardcover Bibles around you. Um, It's an honor to preach this morning. I'm excited for the opportunity, honored to give uh, Steve a a Sunday off, and uh, looking forward to it. It, To be honest, it was was hard to know what to preach on this morning. We're kind of in in between series here at Trailhead. We've we finished up Acts a couple weeks ago. We've got a new series coming, and so I was like, okay, where do I go? What do I do? And, and Steve just said, hey, just, just preach on something that the Spirit's been doing in your life, and so um, that's what this sermon is. Um, just to give you a little bit of an overview about me and my family in the last um, couple years for us, and, and many of you already know this, but um, it's, it's pertinent to why we're in Psalm 23. So uh, just the last couple years for us as a family have been really hard. We've been through a really rough last couple years. Um, two years ago, we had a fire in our house, May 2015. We lost everything that we owned. Um, fast forward a year, uh, uh, May of 2016, even a year to the week, we had a, a 50-year-old oak tree. Half of it fell on our house and caused quite a bit of damage. Uh, we had tree branches come through our ceiling in our living room and in our dining room and uh, it was just kind of a mess to deal with on top of the fire from the previous year, um, and so that was, that was hard last summer. And then about um, four months ago, my wife's dad unexpectedly passed away. It was a heart issue that um, basically turned into a stroke, and, and uh, 63 years old, very unexpected. And so um, I, I'll walk you through those three big events for, for us and for our family um, to say that, that Psalm 23... Um, through the last two years has, has become a very precious, um, <clears throat> whoa, didn't see that coming there, started to get emotional, no, not doing that, all right, Psalm 23 has become very precious to us, um, my wife and I, these last couple of years, especially verse 6, um, so that's why we're here this morning. I don't know your backgrounds, but there is a, uh, a good chance that you're familiar with Psalm 23, right? Even if you, you've like never been around church or Christianity, you've probably still been exposed to Psalm 23 in, in some form. It's very familiar. A commentary I, I read said um, it's the, the most well-known chapter of the Old Testament. It's hard, it's hard to argue with that, right? Um, 929 chapters in the Old Testament, and it's the most uh, well-known, most familiar. Um, no other passage of Scripture has been printed on uh, funeral programs as much as Psalm 23. No other passage of Scripture has been recited at hospital bedsides like Psalm 23 has been. Uh, in fact, even stepping away from, from church and Christianity, if you go to pop culture, uh, Psalm 23 has been referenced uh, many times in, in songs and in movies and in TV shows. So let me just list off some things for you. Um, movies, uh, a lot of times Psalm 23 is referenced kind of unfortunately in a mocking manner, but it's still a reference nonetheless. So uh, some 90s love here like Varsity Blues and uh, Titanic and uh, Sister Act and Bruce Almighty. And then you've got some war movies like We Were Soldiers and Saving Private Ryan. Uh, even an X-Men movie, Nightcrawler recites Psalm 23. Um, so that's TV. You got TV, uh, that's movies, TV shows, Oz, Lost, Prison Break. Uh, musicians and, and, and bands that have referenced Psalm 23 
This is a crazy list. The Eagles, Pink Floyd, The Grateful Dead, U2, Coolio, Gangster's Paradise, right? (laughs) Marilyn Manson, Kanye West, Megadeth, Jay-Z. They've all referenced Psalm 23 in some form in their song. So really familiar passage of Scripture. But what's ironic is that even though the, the words and the phrases of Psalm 23 are very familiar to us, um, it is an unfamiliar experience to us many times. And, and, and what I mean by that is our days don't often feel like green pastures and still waters, right? Our days feel like, more like valleys, which is talked about in Psalm 23, but as far as experiencing the nearness of the shepherd in the valley and the rest and the peace that comes from him being with us in the valley, that's not an always familiar experience. So familiar passage of Scripture may be an unfamiliar experience to us. And so my prayer in in part this morning is that it would just, in in a small way, become a little bit more familiar experience to us. Psalm 23 was was written by David. He wrote most of the Psalms. David was a king in Israel about 3,000 years ago. And a lot of people... um, say that David probably wrote this when he was young, when he was a, uh, a shepherd, because we know he was a shepherd when he was young, and so they envision him kind of in the pastures with the sheep writing this psalm. Well, it, it probably wasn't like that because we know that David talks about enemies in the psalm. We'll see that in just a second, and it was probably much more likely that this was when David was older, when he had become king, and he had gotten some enemies Uh, much more likely that David wrote it when he was older. All right, let's go ahead and read Psalm 23. I know we could probably all recite it, right? But let's go ahead and read it. And uh, just a reminder, at the end, as a way of corporately giving thanks for the word, I'm going to say the word of the Lord. You're going to say, thanks be to God. All right? Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. So before we get into this psalm, we have to kind of acknowledge something that's maybe a little weird. Uh, Just the fact that we are going to spend most of our time this morning talking about shepherding and sheep. I mean, that's kind of odd, right? Like if you were on your way to church this morning and and somebody stopped you and and they said, hey, what are you up to this morning? You said, well, I'm going to go gather with maybe a couple hundred people for around an hour, an hour and a half, and and most of the time we're together, we're going to sit down and listen to this guy talk to us about shepherding. I mean, that's, that's odd, right? It strikes me as odd because shepherding is not a, f- a familiar concept to us. Um, it's, it's a little bit foreign. You probably don't know anybody who shepherds for a living. Um, you probably can't even remember the last time you saw a sheep, right? Um, I, I, I was at the Jersey County Fair a few weeks ago. I saw a goat. I don't know if that counts. I mean, it's kind of the same family, right? But uh, shepherding is a foreign concept to us. But we have to understand, this, this was very common in these times, in the times of the Bible. Um, shepherding was, was as common as farming is to us, right? I mean, farming is, is common here in southern Illinois. I mean, you could, you could get in your car and leave here and go nearly 
any direction, and you would come quickly to farm country. You would find cornfields and, and barns and cows and the whole world of farming. Well, that sort of frequency was what shepherding was like in um, ancient Israel in the times of the Bible. So, so David, he's using, even though it's not familiar to us, he's using a familiar uh, metaphor here in this psalm. Now, here, here's what we got to understand about um, shepherding and sheep and the relationship between um, shepherds and their sheep. It was, a, it, was, it was an all-encompassing kind of relationship. So um, the sheep would find everything that they needed in the shepherd. Uh, in a way, he was all-sufficient for the sheep. The, the sheep would look to their shepherd for protection, for guidance, for, hey, where's our next meal going to come from? Where are we going to get a drink of water? What's going to happen if a, if a lion or a bear comes? Who's going to protect us? What's the next path we should take? All of that was in the hands of the shepherd. All of that was taken care of by the shepherd. And so it makes a lot of sense then that this psalm starts out, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that word want, that's, it's, it's a little bit different than how we usually use the word want in the English language. Um, it, it's, it, we usually you know, use the word want like desire. So is it saying, I won't desire, I won't desire anything? No, that, that doesn't make any sense. It's saying, I'm not going to be in need. I, I, I'm not going to lack anything. I've got everything I need in my shepherd. Um, if there's something that I, that I think I need and I don't have it, th- then that means I don't really need it because the shepherd would supply it to me because in my shepherd I've got everything that I need. So, so how much more should, should the, the sheep, should we the sheep say that about our shepherd? Because our shepherd is God. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah God, the creator God who made everything, who's, who's sovereign over everything, in control of everything. He's self-existent. He doesn't rely on anybody else. Um, and his entire creation is at his disposal. He is our shepherd. That God is our shepherd. So here's what I found in, in kind of uh, meditating on this psalm and, and just to kind of give it to you now and we're going to um, explore it more later, but kind of the main application that, that I want us to see here in this psalm, um, it's this. We are always putting ourselves under the care of a shepherd. We're always putting ourselves under the care of some shepherd. There, there are things, for lack of a better word, there are things that we go to and we ask these things to be our shepherd. We say to these things, uh, be my shepherd, uh, lead me, guide me, uh, give me direction. I, I, don't, I don't feel safe. Would you, would you help me to feel safe and secure? I, I don't feel at rest. Would you provide me with rest? I feel in need. I feel empty. I feel like there's something that I'm missing. Would you provide me with what I need? I, I need my soul restored. Will you restore my soul? I'm, I'm going through a valley of darkness. Would you be with me and, and be near to me through the darkness? The problem, though, is that these shepherds are not good shepherds for us. We tell ourselves, we even preach to ourselves that they can be the shepherds we need them to be, but they can't be. They can't deliver. They can't lead us. They can't provide for us. They can't give us the, the rest and the security that, that our heart craves. And yet we still have this bad habit of going and putting ourselves under the care of these shepherds. And so, so I've prayed this morning that the Spirit would, would explain to us these, 
these shepherds, these false shepherds, these lesser shepherds. The Spirit would expose these shepherds, unearth them, help us to see them, help us to see the, the foolishness of putting ourselves in their care, and then help us to see the greatness of the better shepherd, that is, Jesus. So, um, kind of the lens that we're going to use to look at this psalm, Psalm 23, if you think about a shepherd and all that a shepherd does, how, if I asked you, how, to, how would you sum that up? How would you sum up everything that a shepherd does for his sheep in kind of one idea? I would submit to you that it is how the shepherd leads his sheep. And you may say, well, what about how he protects the sheep? What about how he provides the sheep? Yes, but, but all of it could really boil down to how the shepherd leads the sheep. So I want us to see in this psalm, how does this shepherd lead his sheep? Um, how does he lead them? Where does he lead them? Why does he lead them the way that he leads them? Okay, so let's, let's kind of um, dig into this psalm here and, and think about those things. So the shepherd, he, um, he leads the sheep to green pastures and still waters, right? He, he makes them to lie down. He, he, he lets them lie down in green pastures and still waters. We really like this one, right? We really like green pastures and, and still waters. But again, there's a, there's a cultural aspect that we can't miss here. How, how common are green pastures in the Middle East? Not very common, right? I mean, you hear green pastures and you think this area, right? The, the, the Midwest, the, the farmland that is the Midwest, or even here in the Mississippi Valley, so very fertile area of the country, even in the world. And so green pastures are everywhere, but green pastures are not very common in the Middle East. So you need a shepherd that's going to be able to find a green pasture and lead the sheep to that green pasture so they can graze and rest in that green pasture. And, and also still waters. Uh, you, you may have heard just from maybe previous study with Psalm 23 that, that sheep, they, if you lead them to a place to, to get a drink, if, if the water there is, is choppy and, and, and rushing, they're going to have a really hard time settling down and taking a drink. That's just how sheep are. And so the shepherd needs to lead the sheep to still waters, to quiet waters. And that's what our shepherd does. He leads the sheep to green pastures and still waters, but that's not the only place he leads the sheep, right? He leads the sheep also to valleys to really bad valleys, valleys of darkness, valleys of death's shadow. That sounds really bad, right? Um, And and he he does that, right? He leads them there. Have you you ever thought about that with Psalm 23? Like, hey, how did we end up in this valley? I mean, we were just in green pastures and still waters. How did we end up here? And, And the answer is not necessarily that the sheep have strayed and wandered, though that certainly happens. But it seems because verse 4, which talks about that valley, obviously comes after verse 3, which talks about God leading us in paths of righteousness. I think that just means straight, right, good paths. It, it means that sometimes those, Him leading us in those good, straight paths, those paths lead to valleys, to the valley of the shadow of death. But you notice where the shepherd is in all of this, right? The shepherd is not distant. He's not far away. He's not removed from the darkness and the, and the trouble and the death that the sheep are facing. He is there with the sheep. 
He's in the valley with them. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's how he leads the sheep. He's, he's there with them. He's not, he's not up on the ridge looking down to the valley, just kind of pulling for the sheep to make it. He's down there with them in the valley. There's actually something really cool in this psalm that we don't see in the English. You know that the psalms are written in Hebrew, and also that the psalm is, because it's a psalm, it's a, it's a song, it's, it's a poem. So uh, if we could see it in the Hebrew, we would maybe be more likely to see this. But, but because it's a, it's a poem, that means it has a structure to it, okay? And the structure is this. Um, there are four, one group of four lines. The, the term, I believe, is a stanza, okay? So there's one stanza of four lines at the beginning, and then there's another group of four lines um, at, at the end, at the end, and then and so in the middle, there, there's, just, there's this one line that's kind of the, the heart or the center of the psalm. So, so everything, um, everything up to that heart, that center, it's kind of leading toward that, building toward that, and then, and then out of that, it kind, of, it kind of flows out of that from there. So David, writing this psalm, that the Spirit is, is in, breathing out these words. This is how God wanted us to see this truth in this, in this way, in this structure, that Psalm 23 has a, has a heart and a center to it. And do you want to guess what that, that heart, that center of Psalm 23 is? It's the second half of verse 4, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. That's... That's the heart of Psalm 23. That's the, the apex of Psalm 23, that God, that the shepherd is with the sheep. He's with them. He's not far away. He's not distant. He's not removed. He's near. He's with them. He's, he's near to, to pull them back with his staff if they start to stray. He, he's near to protect them, to, to give a, a bear or a lion a face full of rod if they come close. He's there to protect the sheep. He's with them to guide them. But what we need to see, um, perhaps more than anything else, it, it, not just where the shepherd leads and how he leads, but why he leads the way that he does. Why the shepherd leads the way that he does. What's behind the shepherd's uh, leading of the sheep? What's kind of underneath the way that he leads? What is his heart toward the sheep? I want us, I want us to see a couple things here, okay? First, look at verse Three. Again, this, this phrase, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. This, this might be the most missed phrase of the psalm. For his name's sake. The idea there is for the sake of his name, for the sake of his reputation, right? Because in, in everyone's name, there, there's kind of a reputation tied in there, right? That's, that's true in our own culture. That was certainly true in the Middle East, if not more true uh, in, in the ancient Middle East. So, so for example, um, I am a grapple, and I grew up in Jerseyville, Illinois, which is not far from here, um, half an hour north of here. And so growing up, it seemed like um, especially for people that had been in Jerseyville a long time, that they knew the Grapple name. They, they knew my dad. They knew my, my dad's brother, my Uncle Mike. They knew, um, they knew my grandpa. They knew my great-grandpa. And so whatever it was about them, uh, things about them, their actions, the way they lived, that, that developed a reputation with the Grapple name, even, even something as small as having red hair. 
I mean, grapples have red hair. I don't know how many times growing up, a stranger would come up to me and say, you must be a grapple. <laughs> you must be Stan Grapple's son. You must be Clem Grapple's grandson. Yeah, I am guilty. That's me. How did you know? Was it the red hair? Let me guess. So there was this reputation for being a grapple and having red hair. And also growing up in a small town, and if you grew up in a small town like I did, uh, you know this, there was also a, a certain handful of names that if you had one of those names, that, that meant you were probably going to get shown a little favoritism, maybe in class or maybe in, on the sports team, because that meant you were part of one of the, the clans in town, right? The families in town. If you grew up in a small town, you know what I'm talking about. So all that to say... There's a reputation tied up in a name. And, and David says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for the sake of his reputation. If he led for the sake of our name, if he led for us or how we wanted him to lead him, one, that would be idolatry, and two, he would, we would have him lead us very differently, right? We wouldn't leave the green pastures and still waters. We'd want to stay there forever, but that's, that's not how he leads. He doesn't lead for how we want him to lead. He, he leads for his own name's sake, for his reputation. And his reputation of what he is toward his sheep, among many things, is that he is a shepherd who is full of goodness and mercy. He is full of tenderness. He is full of compassion and love and kindness toward his sheep. That's his reputation. That's the reputation he deserves to have. But the question is, how does, he, how does he come to have that reputation among the sheep? How do the sheep come to know that he is that kind of shepherd? Where will the sheep, where will the sheep learn, and, and not just learn, but experience that the shepherd is full of goodness and mercy toward them, and then as a result, make much of his name and make much of his reputation for being a shepherd of goodness and mercy and, and love him and trust him and treasure him as a result. Where do sheep learn to do that? They don't learn that in the green pastures and still waters, right? You know that. You know that from experience. You don't learn about the goodness and mercy of the shepherd when things are awesome and great. no. The sheep learn that in the valley. The sheep learn that in the valley. It's only in the valley where the sheep will make much of the shepherd's name. It's only in the valley of death's shadow where the sheep come to know the reality of the shepherd's nearness and love and and goodness and mercy. And so that's why he leads them there. So I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, you look at that phrase, goodness and mercy in verse 6. I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon that verse 6 is really what has become um, special and, and, and just precious to, to Becky and I the last couple of years. And so I just want to point out a few things here with verse 6 because there are some really cool nuances with verse 6 that I do not want you to miss. So first, that word mercy, surely goodness and mercy. Um, it's the Hebrew word Hesed, it's actually Chesed, which is really fun to say, but I'll just say Chesed, okay? And uh, it, is, it is seriously my favorite word in the Old Testament. Yes, I have a favorite word of the Old Testament, and you should too. And it should be this one. It should be Hesed, the, the steadfast love of God. Um, 
almost everywhere in the Old Testament, the ESV translates this word as steadfast love. But it seems that when they came to translate Psalm 23, they knew how familiar it was. They knew how many people knew it from the old King James. And so they left it as mercy and they footnoted um, steadfast love. But, but almost always this word has said is translated as steadfast love. God's unfailing, faithful, covenant love toward us. When, when the Bible says that God loves with hesed, it means that he's saying to us, I'm, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to give up. Uh, I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to stop loving you. I'm not going to stop forgiving you. I'll always be faithful to you. I'll always love you. I'll always forgive you. I, I'm here. I'm not leaving. As, as uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones puts wonderfully in the Jesus Storybook Bible, the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love of God. That's this word, hesed, the steadfast love of God. I think it's even illustrated for us in the psalm that God's steadfast love toward David. If you, if you just go up one verse to verse 5, I just want to point this out real quick. David says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Verse 5 is kind of confusing, right? It seems out of place. I mean, and the reason it seems out of place is that we want to kind of put this, this one theme around Psalm 23, and the reality is that, that David has changed metaphors here. <laughs> He's changed metaphors in verse 5, and it's no longer shepherd and sheep, and it's more host and guest. He's the host, David is the guest, and so David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's many times in the Psalms that David talks about his enemies. And something that he says often about his enemies is how his enemies call into question his relationship with God. They, they say, David, God's not really for you. God's not really with you. He doesn't really love you. Where is your God, David? You're going through this? Where, where is he? Where is your God? And so God is saying to David, and, and we're, we're getting kind of a, a peek at it as, as David writes it for us, God is saying to David, David, no, no, don't listen to your enemies. Don't listen to them. You are accepted, David. You are at the table. You are my son. I, I, I accept you. I welcome you. I love you. I am pleased with you. I delight in you. Your, the, the, my goodness, my steadfast love is going to follow you all the days of your life. So just... That, that phrase there, David seated at the table, it's an illustration of God's steadfast love toward him. So um, back in verse 6 now, surely goodness and steadfast love, mercy, will follow me. Again, that word follow isn't really uh, the best translation of that word. In fact, uh, again, uh, most times it's translated in the Old Testament, it's actually not follow but pursue or, or chase down. God's steadfast love is chasing us down. When was the last time you were chased by something or someone? Or when was the last time you chased someone? Um, I, I love to chase my kids around the house. Uh, I love to chase them, and when I get to them, I, I you know, grab them and, and tackle them, but gently, you know, and then, and then tickle them until they can't stand it anymore. But um, Fletcher, man, our oldest, he's, he's seven, he's athletic, and he's getting faster, and I don't think I can catch him anymore because he's, he's lower to the ground, and so he can make the corners sharper than I can. I, I can't really catch him anymore, but um, I love to chase my kids around the house. Sometimes we chase our kids, right, to, to keep them out of danger as well. 
Um, or, or you think about, um, man, back in elementary school for me, uh, my favorite game in, in PE class was Capture the Flag. I loved Capture the Flag. Uh, I loved growing up and then going to church camp and playing Capture the Flag at camp. And, and I loved the strategy uh, of Capture the Flag. Uh, I love, you know, saying, okay, you guys are going to come from this side, and then we're going to come uh, from the other side while they're distracted with you. We're going to get the flag. We're going to bring it back. Or, or maybe, like, uh, there's a jailbreak. There's got to be a jailbreak coming soon. And so when everybody comes back, we're going we're gonna to full-on ambush them, and somebody's going to get through and get the flag and get back. Um, I love the strategy. The only problem for me was I wasn't very good at capture the flag because I'm not very fast, right? So, so if I was lucky enough to get to the flag, I mean, there was very, very little likelihood that I was going to get back to the other side and not get caught because some athlete on the other side would be able to be able to chase me down. Uh, I wasn't fast enough to get away and I would get chased. Um, God is chasing us, friends. He is chasing us, not with an intent to harm us, not with an intent to, uh, to put us in jail. <laughs> he, he is chasing after us. He's coming after us to, to pursue us and pour out on us steadfast love and kindness. He's saying, I'm coming after you, I'm going to get you, I'm going to hunt you down, I'm going to get to you, and when I get to you, I'm going to overwhelm you with my faithful love. And he is doing this for us, his people, every single day. Do you notice what the psalm says, what verse 6 says? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Every single day. We get that on the good days, right? I mean, when the good, the good days, when things are going great, oh yeah, God, you are, you are chasing me down with goodness and steadfast love today. But it's not just those days. It's the days that feel like the valley of the shadow of death, too. He's coming after us with his steadfast love on those days as well. Days that, that out of nowhere we are hit with, with devastation and sadness and loss and even death. Days where your house burns and you lose everything. Days where uh, a tree falls on your house and you've got tree limbs and rainwater coming into your living room and dining room. Days where... Um, your father-in-law is, is rushed to the hospital, and eight days later, he's gone. Um, he is chasing us down with his steadfast love on those days, too. Whatever it is for you, right? You've got days like that. You, you have days like that. He, he's chasing us down all the days of our life with his, with his never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always-and-forever love. And this is why he is the better shepherd. This is why he's the better shepherd. This whole psalm, hopefully you've seen that this whole psalm is reason after reason that he is the better shepherd. So, so I mentioned at the beginning, and, and to just kind of camp on it now, um, this, this idea, this application for us, that, that you and I are always putting ourselves in the care of some shepherd, and, and in some lesser shepherd, a false shepherd. We, we sense this need to be shepherded. We, we crave peace. We crave rest. We crave the green pastures and still waters. Or, or we sense this, this brokenness and emptiness in our souls and, and we, we want our souls to be restored or, or we're feeling lost and so we're searching for something to lead us and to guide us or we're 
through dark valleys and, and, we, and we desperately want someone, uh, something to be near us and to be with us in that dark valley or, or we don't feel safe and so we cry out for something, for someone to, to make us feel safe, to make us feel secure or we feel left out, we feel excluded, we feel alone and we, we want to be welcomed and accepted and loved and so we find something, it could be anything and a lot of times it's good things, it's, it's good gifts. From the shepherd that, that he's given his sheep to enjoy. And we go to these things and we preach to ourselves this false, this false message. This thing can be my shepherd. This thing will be my shepherd. This thing will, will lead me to find rest and peace and security. And so we, we give ourselves over to these shepherds. We put ourselves in their care. And they always disappoint us. They always fail us. They cannot be the shepherds that we need them to be. They cannot be the shepherds that, they, that we tell ourselves they will be, right? We, we do this, right? How many of us have, have, have convinced ourselves, we've told ourselves that that next vacation, that next uh, holiday, that next day off, or maybe it's even just something as simple as when we can finally sit down on the couch and, and veg out with Netflix or, or scrolling through our Facebook feeds or, or whatever it is, we, we convince ourselves that that's where we're going to find rest. Now, certainly there's some physical rest there that happens, but, but we're longing for that true spiritual rest, and we convince ourselves that it's to be found in those places. How often have we thought that, that by getting that raise or that promotion or maybe just going to a, all, a, a new job altogether uh, or maybe just getting past that next big hurdle, whatever it is, uh, maybe getting that next home improvement project done, um, that, that finally getting to that place that we're going to finally have peace. How many times have we thought that, that we could be our own shepherds, that we can bring restoration to our own souls? Uh, that, that with our, with our self-improvement projects, by working harder and getting more disciplined and getting healthier, getting skinnier, whatever it is, that, that we're going to bring restoration to our souls. How often have we found ourselves in valleys and, and we, in the valley we reach out to things like food or drink or a hobby to give us some sort of escape from the valley? How many times have we wanted and, and craved uh, love and acceptance from a, per, a person or a group of people? How often have we convinced ourselves of a, of a feeling of security, not by looking to the shepherd, but by looking to our bank statements or our, our uh, checkbooks or our homes filled with our possessions and our toys, which can all be taken away, can all be in a dumpster in your driveway and before you know it? I, I know from experience on that one. Time and time again, we go to these shepherds, whether it's an activity, a hobby, a person, a relationship, a substance, a career, a grade point average, sexual pleasure, a cause to get passionate about, a device, a house, a trip, a vacation, a next life stage. We, we ask these things to be our shepherds. To, we put ourselves in their care. We ask them to lead us, to protect us, to give us rest, to give us what we need, and time and time again, they fail us. They disappoint us. We are really good at entrusting ourselves to really bad shepherds, to really lousy shepherds. And to be clear, the problem is not with the gifts, right? The problem is not with the gifts. The, the gifts are, are good things that have been given by the shepherd to enjoy. The problem is not with the gifts. It is with our hearts, our hearts that stray, our hearts that, that try to find a shepherd in the wrong place. 
And so I want to ask you, and I pray that the Spirit would expose this to you and to me, um, what is it for you? What, who is it for you? What, what, is, what are the false shepherds, these lesser shepherds in your life? And, and I know if I asked you probably, and if somebody asked me, if somebody said, who or what is your shepherd? Well, you'd say, oh, God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. Right? We know the answer to give, but, but what does our life say? What does your life say your shepherd is? What did, what did your life this past week say your shepherd is? What is the functional shepherd of your life? When you, when you crave peace, when you crave rest, when you crave security, what do you reach for? What do you go to? Where do you go? And friends, see that there is a better shepherd. There is a better shepherd for you. You were, you were made to be in the care of a better shepherd, a shepherd that can bring true rest to your heart because he can work in your heart. He's greater than your heart. And, and he's, he's come and he's done everything and now he just invites us to rest in him. This, this true shepherd can, can bring peace and security because he's, he is really, really powerful and he is in control of everything. He's, he's the true shepherd and better shepherd because he can bring true restoration to your soul because he, he delivered your soul from death. He rescued your soul. And now he's put his spirit within you to change you, to make you more like himself. He can lead you and provide you with, with guidance because he's an all-wise, all-knowing shepherd. It doesn't mean the path will always be clear, but he's with you and, he, and he's all-wise. And no other shepherd can can chase you down with steadfast love and goodness every single day of your life. No other shepherd's going to do that. No other shepherd can do that. No other shepherd is, is faithful and forgiving like the one true and better shepherd. No other shepherd can be with you in the valley because, because this shepherd, our shepherd, he, he didn't avoid the valley. He actually led us to the valley, and, and he is sovereign over the valley, and he's with us in the valley. He's with us, he's near, he's present, he's not going anywhere, he's Emmanuel. He is the better shepherd for us. So, so my friends, can I encourage you to, to, to see these lesser false shepherds in your life? See them for what they are, see the foolishness, turn away from it, and then see the better shepherd. See him, see his greatness, see his beauty, and, and move toward him and, and draw near to him. Draw near to him like David does in this psalm. I, I, want, I want to point out something else here in the psalm. Um, it, it probably drives the, uh, the English teachers and, and grammar nuts among us a little bit crazy to see what David does in the psalm. Have you noticed in Psalm 23 that David starts off referring to the shepherd in the third person, right? He leads me. He, 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 uh, he uh, restores my soul. He um, makes me lie down. He, he, but then he gets to verse 4, and it's not, for he is with me, his rod and his staff, they come for me, he prepares the table. No, he switches. He goes to you. He goes to the second person. What, what is that about? I mean, what is that? It's, it's the fact that David, even as he's writing the psalm, he says, I, I don't want to be distant from the shepherd. I want to draw near to the shepherd, so I'm going to even draw near at how I'm writing this thing. 
I'm going to move toward him and pray to him and, and thank him that he is with me. So in that same way, let's not just see the better shepherd, but let's move toward him and draw near to him. Let's draw near to him. Let's trust him and trust his heart toward us, his heart of goodness and steadfast love toward us. Even on the days where we're tempted to doubt his steadfast love, remind yourself of what he has done to prove his steadfast love to you. Remind yourself of the, of the most important weekend in human history where this shepherd, the better shepherd, did something that, that our false shepherds, our lesser shepherds could never ever do for us, where he gave his life for the sheep. We don't have to doubt his steadfast love toward us. We don't have to wonder, does he really love us? He didn't just leave it at just talk and say, yeah, I really, really love you. He didn't leave it in the hypothetical. He, he showed that he loves the sheep because he gave his life for the sheep. He went through the valley of the shadow of death for us and before us. We had strayed, the sheep had strayed and, and wandered and, and gone our own way, which was not an innocent thing. This was sin and rebellion against the shepherd. But the better shepherd came and he stood in the place of the sheep and he became the sacrificial lamb for the sheep. He took the punishment that the sheep had earned for themselves, that they deserved, so that the sheep could be won back to the shepherd. That is steadfast love. That is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking always and forever love. And this shepherd gave his life for the sheep, but he didn't stay dead. Think about it. What's the worst thing that could happen to you if you're a sheep? I mean, if, if you've got this, this person that, that you, everything you need is in this person, I mean, your protection, your, your provision, where you're going to get your next meal, what path you're going to take, everything you need is in this person. What happens if that shepherd is gone? What happens if the shepherd is, is not there and leaves? What happens if the shepherd dies? Well, we don't have to fear that because our shepherd did die, but he's alive and he's, and he's going to be here forever. He lives forever so that we will always be with him we will dwell in his house forever. We will always sit at his table. Friends, he is the better shepherd. He, no other shepherd that, that you put yourself under the care of can do for you what the better shepherd has done. He is the better shepherd. All right, let's, let's uh, reflect on Psalm 23 uh, here for a few moments. So um, we're going to transition toward communion. There's going to be reflection questions on the screen. I encourage you to prayerfully consider what God has for you um, this morning from Psalm 23. First, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for Psalm 23. Thank you for Jesus, the better shepherd, who came and gave his life for the sheep, and now he lives forever, and we forever have a shepherd who will be with us, who will lead us in valleys, God, thank you for your steadfast love toward us. Thank you for never leaving us, never giving up on us. God, I ask that you would expose to us these lesser shepherds, these false shepherds that could never shepherd us the way that you can. God, expose them to us and help us to turn away. Help us to see 
the greatness of our shepherd. That we would draw near to him, that we would trust him, that we would trust your steadfast love. We pray this for your namesake. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen.